Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Warren back from his holidays uh, because he has lots of those because he's very good at planning these things. <laughs> Last year, Warren has given us so many great examples of why you need to shut down your social media platforms <laughs> and apply your mind to investments and stop watching what anyone else is doing and simply think for yourself. Is that a fair sort of assessment, I think, of what we've learned over the past year or so? I think it's what we were shown, um, um, and I think it's a very fair assessment, Bruce. I'm, I'm not sure it's what we've learned. Uh, okay. And, and I, think, I think if we watch, uh, you know, we watch investor behavior uh, time and time again, uh, over decades now, um, we, we see the same thing repeating itself. What's different this time, and you, and you point out the social media accounts, is that everything happens a lot quicker. So, you know, so, so the, the kind of the, the excitement and the hype um, builds much faster, the information spreads much further, um, and and more and more people are caught and 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 dare I say suckered into into putting money into things that they don't understand, um, and end up losing you know huge amounts of money all around the world, and and so you know my my question um, you know to myself when I'm watching this is, are we really learning anything? You know I mean have we not seen this movie before over and over and over again? And it's just the title that's changing, and it's you know it's, instead of taking two hours, it's taking you know, 30 minutes, but but surely uh, th- th- this is human behavior just repeating itself uh, and, and, and maybe new generations of investors getting caught. Give me some examples of what happened last year. I think you've got a couple in terms of there were some winners, absolutely, and some of the big trends, but there were also some very, very big losers. Yeah, so so the the ones that that, that uh, really caught my eye were two. One was a, a share called GameStop, uh, li- listed in the U.S. It is an American business. Uh, f- frankly, has no reason to exist anymore. It's you know it, it's a business that sort of sells uh, computer games in in physical form. You know, and, and nowadays people buy them online. And in fact, they stream them. So it's a business that's dying. And and you know it became a social media favorite. Uh, especially on Reddit, and in a in a period of of nineteen days, you know, if you'd put a thousand dollars into GameStop, your thousand dollars became twenty thousand dollars. You know, and and that's nineteen days, and in that time, uh, it you know the the hype was just phenomenal. It it just caught on, and and anybody that that cautioned against uh, you, you know investing in GameStop, uh, you know, especially. You know the talking heads out there that were saying, "Look, this is just not a business you know, that should be around anymore." Uh, we're, we're kind of written off, or, or, or in fact, lambasted for for being part of Wall Street or being part of the vested interests, and it was you know, some kind of a establishment move. And and what's interesting is, you, you know, you watch um, GameStop from its peak, and, and as I said, that you know it was 19 days, I and mean, it was right at the start of January. From, um, you know, someone who put a thousand dollars into GameStop at the peak w- w- would now be, you know, at the end of the year, be sitting on four hundred and five dollars, uh, and and that just shows you it wasn't, you know, it's not a business. It doesn't deserve to be around, um, and and unfortunately, you know, there weren't many people that would have been clever enough to to anticipate that that an arbitrary company becomes a social media favorite you know, absolutely explodes in a period of 19 days, you know, put, put all their money in before the time and, you know, and then sell on the peak, you know, 19 days later, just, it wouldn't have happened. So actually what happens is that the bulk of the money 
went in at the peak. It went in, you know, after the bubble was about to burst. And, and you know, w- when it did burst, lots of people lost a lot of money. Very, I mean, very those, sad uh, Traditionally, those are called sort of pump and dump schemes, where if you watch the Wolf of Wall Street, um, you would have these guys sitting in what they call boiler rooms. They'd be phoning up their clients and they'd be telling them to buy things and pushing up prices artificially that way. Um, and then you'd have big owners of the shares capitalizing on the hype and selling into the hype. And I, I wondered just how much of that to do was to do with with with, uh, with GameStop. So uh, as you have as you mentioned at the start, I've, been, I've had some time off and, and I've done quite a bit of reading about this. And, and actually, there were some quite big investigations uh, in, into GameStop and, and, you know, to understand whether there was manipulation, you know, were there holders of the shares, especially institutions, you know, the, the establishment that everyone hates so much, that, that were, you know, portraying the, the behavior that we see in these, in these schemes. And, and the reality is that this started completely randomly by, you know, a few people and, and not one of them share experts, not one of them with a long history in stock markets. And, and they, you know, they, they, they got their, you know, popularity on Reddit and, you know, with a social media platform, not so big in South Africa. And um, they, they started talking about it. It created a, a kind of a little mini tidal wave and, of popularity. And then the mainstream media caught on to this thing that was suddenly happening and, and got, you know, wrote about it and spoke about it. And, and so it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and then when it exploded, uh, the, the same thing happened again. You know, it was, it was just a, a case of collectively people, I think, getting to their point of sanity and, and realizing okay. you know, they were so, caught up in something. So how do we avoid it this year, Warren, quite briefly? Um, I, I, my view is, you know, if you're not an expert in in, in the current wave of of investments, and it seems, well, and I'm and I'm saying investments advisedly, but you know, we we see now these NFTs, non fungible tokens, coming out, and you know, new, uh, new new forms of investments. And if you're not an expert, you don't understand the dynamic. Then don't try and play someone else's investment game in in a space that you just don't understand. The, the reality is, if, if you want to make money, you know, being simple in your investment strategy, and I'm, and I'm not saying simple in a bad way, but you know, as a compliment, uh, it, it can make you a huge amount of uncomplicated. Look at, uncomplicated. Uncom- yeah, simple, clear, uncomplicated. And and uh, and you know, just look at the indexes last year. You know, the the, the American index. Uh, you know, the S&P 500, if you put $1,000 in, by the end of the year, you had $1,269, a great return for doing no work, no real permanent loss of capital risk. Uh, and, and in the JSE in South Africa, I did a sort of a similar sum. If you'd started the year with 10,000 Rand, you ended the year with 12,940. And, and that's not playing anyone else's game. No, that's just saying, I know enough to know that I'm, I'm not a share expert. I can't pick the best investments. I don't want to time the markets. I'm just going to put my money away into something that's very broad, very diversified, and I'm going to leave it there and see what happens. And, and to me, you know, if you're not an investment expert, what a way to make money. You don't need to play other people's games. You don't need to pay huge amounts of costs. Just be simple, stay disciplined, ignore the hype, you know, especially this FOMO. You know, when you see things blowing up in share prices, just you know, doubling and trebling, just, just understand that doesn't carry on forever. It does fall over. And, and then it's usually it falls over when most people have just started to really invest for the first time in the price and they, and they get caught like we saw with GameStop. So, so just stay out of the hype. And as you say, you know, stay off social media when you're looking for investment advice. That's not the place to do it. You know, read books and you know, st- listen to the show. There's so many brilliant people that are, are on here every single day of the week uh, where, where you'll get the advice that you need. 
Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital. In a moment, a question from Peter. He's been doing some reading and some thinking, and he's been making some investment decisions and says he wants to make his investments more environmentally friendly. Is it a good idea to sell his existing investments and invest in ESG-type funds? Good question, Peter. That with Warren in a bit. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Peter wants to become more environmentally friendly in his investing, and he's looking at ESG-type funds and wonders whether he should be selling his existing investments and putting everything into ESG-type funds. Before we talk about the do's and don'ts here, Warren, what are ESG-type funds? ESG is uh, is becoming a very big um, movement, I guess, uh, around the world and in South Africa, and it stands for in environmental, social, and governance. So, so it's three separate aspects um, of the way that money is being invested, and actually, more specifically, the way companies are being run, and and then if those companies are being run in a particular way, as I say, around the environmental, social, governance principles, then then. Uh, funds either choose to invest in them or, or, or are obliged to invest in them. And if companies are not, uh, you know, um, running running themselves according to the ESG principles, th- then there might be funds and pension funds and, and unit trusts and the like that might be forced not to invest in them. So, so the whole thing about ESG is it's it's three very distinct areas of of, of the world. And, you know, the one environmental, which is really you know the, the, Peter's question, is is one aspect. And and so you know I, ge- I guess we don't need to argue about climate change. It, it it's here. It's a reality. Uh, it's a huge threat to all of us. But but the other two, you know, social and and governance. You know, we've lived through ten years or eleven years of really horrific governance in South Africa. Again, I don't think. Uh, we, we, you know, we're, we're pretty sensitized to it in South Africa. The, the impact of bad governance, uh, and and the, and then the social is is much broader, you know, and, and it's around m- making sure that you know employees are well taken care of, that supply chains are are run ethically, where you don't have, for example, child labour, you know, in 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 a country um, su- supplying a you know a completely removed market somewhere else. It, 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 there's a huge aspect to this, uh, you know, you know th- this whole theme. And, and I think the, the important thing here is it's not just a bunch of sort of long-haired hippies that just you know you know sitting around making themselves feel better about their money. It's actually you know investors saying that if you choose companies that run in, in, in according to these principles, that, that you are making sensible long-term investment decisions because you're you're investing with management teams that you know that have a multi-decade approach and a, and a philosophy of growing themselves sustainably. And, and yes. so it, it, it's a massive theme. Here, yeah, here's the problem. Yes, it's a massive theme, but it's also a very wide universe because I'm not too sure that we've got the notion of exactly what E, exactly what S, and exactly what G is because there are no universal benchmarks. There are no universal rules that we can draw on here. Often the company says, well, we're very good at this ESG thing. We have E, we've got S, and we've got G. Stamp, stamp, stamp. We're an ESG company. Um, and then, you know, a, a bit like using just desktop analysis when you are a global fund manager looking at ratings agencies, for example, uh, investors look at ESG and say, look, they said they've got an ESG accredited business, so let's let's invest there. And I'm not too sure that it's necessarily sharp enough yet. Exactly. And, and I think that now you, uh, now you come to, to the crux of, of Peter's question as well, because it's one thing to see the theme. And and you know all of us I think you know to to a, lot, a lesser or greater extent feel aligned to this, 
but but as you say, you know, committing real money to businesses that really, you know, um, are walking the, the you know walking the walk and not just walking the talk. Uh, I, I feel that um, the, the answer in South Africa is I, I'm I'm not comfortable to allocate money to companies that uh, you know that kind of profess to be you know highly ranked in the ESG space. It might be that they have ticked all the tick boxes that need to be ticked. But but I mean, some of these ratings that I've seen. You know, there are companies in South Africa that are massive polluters. You know, in the in the top, you know, two or three polluters in South Africa that that carry a very high ESG rating simply because they've you know they've done a bit of the the work on the S and the G. And and for me, you know, if you're destroying the environment, but but you know, paying people while you poison them, uh, I, I don't know. I I find uh, to me it's still hugely compromised. And and I think globally. There, there, there are lots of rating agencies that are, are, are popping up all over the place that are, are professing to do the work to provide, you know, an ESG rating, and some are and, and some aren't, and and so I think it is a it is a developing space, and I and I think it will 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 get somewhere. But for me at the moment, what it feels like is is a time where a lot of active managers have you know have been beaten by by index investors around the world and they're looking for new ways to differentiate themselves and so ESG has been a godsend for them because this is the, the drum that they're beating and on the other side of this um, is a lot of the big pension funds and and especially the unit trust companies have outsourced an enormous amount of their kind of checking to uh, ratings agencies or proxy companies that you know that, that are uh, I, I think not doing any real work. You know, they, they are the very definition of tech, uh, you know, tick box businesses. So, so to me, if a, you know, if a unit trust company says to me, no, no, we, you know, we 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 know our funds are highly ESG rated because we use a proxy company running out of London, uh, I, I'm 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 going to give zero credibility to that. So, All right. My, my, so what does Peter my, do? My, my view, Peter, is. Uh, invest your money um, and then take a portion of the profits every year, allocate it to an environmental organization that you know is doing real work uh, and and use some of those profits to fund that organization and and, and make a real difference with, with your money rather than, you know, making rating agencies uh, rich. And in time, there will be good ESG options in South Africa. I just think that we're a bit premature at the moment. There are some better ones overseas, but you're going to have to do an enormous amount of homework to find it. Okay, I think that's a really interesting piece of advice there, Warren, in terms of uh, sort of balancing your guilt, if you like. Because <laughs> Peter strikes me as somebody who, uh, in a very brief email, um, really do, does want to do good and doesn't want to be part of a system that is continually destroying the planet. But you can't, if you can't trust the classifications, not yet anyway, to a degree, then you're actually perhaps making uh, some fairly dreadful investments. So you won't get the returns and you're not really having an impact on the environment anyway. So you may as well make great returns and then use those returns. Pick a number um, and whatever percentage of your returns you want to give away, donate it. Give it away as a charitable donation and that way that money can be properly used by an organization that you can assess effectively that does make a difference. Absolutely. And, and I also think, uh, you know, don't be exclusionary in your investments. In other words, you know, a company that's, you know, let's just say a fossil fuel company at the moment, you know, we, we would know, you know, fossil fuels are bad for the environment. But if that company is allocating a huge proportion of its turnover every year to becoming a renewable energy business, is it really sensible to kind of to take all the money away from them and, and, and stop them you know, making a very positive impact for the next, you know, two or five decades? 
you know, where they need this time to transition. I, I think it's, you know, this is a really nuanced area and, and be very careful of just being completely ex exclusionary, you know, sort of using the cancel culture with investments. You, you could be doing more harm than, than good. Thank you, Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital. In a moment, what is the S&P 500? I think I know what it is. You possibly think you know what it is. Warren Ingram does know what it is and will share with us in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Lots of indices in the world. One of the most followed, one of the most revered, one of the indices that if you are an index investor, you should be exposed to any day of the week, any year of the decade and of the millennium is the S&P 500. But what is it exactly, Warren? So the, the S&P 500 consists of 500 uh, of the largest uh, companies listed on the on American stock exchanges. Uh, and and the, the, the interesting thing about it is that they're not specific to one stock exchange. In other words, it's not just uh, you, you know, on the Dow or on, on the NASDAQ index. It's, it's all of the biggest uh, um, uh, companies in the U.S. The, the only kind of nuance there is that it's the, the, the way that they measure the size of those is by the, the, the market capitalization. In other words, the, the, the size of the, the number of shares that are able to be traded on, on a stock exchange. So it's not measured on turnover or profit or something like that. It's, it's simply the, the value of all of the shares that people can buy and sell on a, on a given day. So, so it does represent some of the very big biggest businesses as well, but, but it's certainly the best indicator, I think, of, of the health or otherwise of the American stock market on a given day. Uh, and and uh, S&P is, is a, is a uh, index provider in America, and you know, they, are the, they are the company that measure this and then put the index together. Now, a lot of people sort of think American markets are the Dow Jones Industrial Average, but that's only a mix of 30 different companies, and they've got a weird way of putting companies into that as well. It's not like the top 40 of the JSE, which is the top 40 most valuable companies, which is much easier to understand. The S&P 500 is actually a far more diversified and interesting and textured and nuanced and possibly representative index than the Dow is. Absolutely, and, and, and so well diversified as well. You, you know, it, uh, I mean, at the moment, the, the, the technology companies will be carrying a bigger weighting of the of the index than than they did let's say you know what is ago. what is apple's weighting one company in the s&p 500 so there are 500 companies what is apple's weighting in the s&p 500 today are you are you asking because you know I, because I i'm asking I, because i know and i'm feeling smug <laughs> okay well then i'm just gonna let you be smug and tell us <laughs> it's a $3 trillion company. It went from one to two to $3 trillion over the holidays while we were all having a nice time. It makes up 6.5% of the S&P 500. I don't know what the percentage is of all of the top uh, tech companies, but I'm guessing it must be north of 30 or 40%, the huge weighting of these top, top 10 tech companies in the United States. So it's absolutely enormous. Does that scare you off the S&P 500 in 30 seconds before I let you go, Warren? No, no. I think it, just again, you know, diversification is important. So yes, you know, the S and P five hundred is a good index, but it shouldn't be your only global investment. So if it's, you know, if it's forty to sixty percent of your global investments, absolutely fine. If it's your only global investment, then it then it is a little scary, and you need to add some, you know, in um, Europe, UK, Japan, China, emer you know, other emerging markets as well to get a proper global spread. In other words, you know, the the world index is probably a better bet, but but if you want to put the pieces of the puzzle together, S and P five hundred is one one very good and very important piece. 
Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital. Thank you very much indeed, Warren. Warren is an executive director at Galileo Capital. He is also a personal financial advisor.